my grandmother um, had this decorative kitchen towel in her house. You know, the ones that kind of have the embroider on them and there's a saying on them sometimes. Well, hers had a saying on it. It hung in a pretty visible spot, um, so, it was, so I saw it often. And it said this, today I choose joy. And it always stuck out to me, mainly because I think I wanted to be that person, that person that could say, today I choose joy, and it was so. Or maybe I just wanted um, to believe it was that easy. And while I do believe that um, our attitudes about things, how we approach our day, that it does matter, that it does affect our mood, our disposition, our joy, I don't know if we can just choose joy, but I'm not ruling it out. I share that story because this Sunday, as you have already figured out with the proverb and the psalm and the jokes we're told, that we're invited to reflect on joy and laughter. For those who may be visiting for the first time, or if you just haven't been here yet in the month of July, we're using the psalms in worship throughout this month to remind us that we were not created to be anxious creatures, but to rejoice, revel, and rest in God's good creation. So today, we reflect on joy and laughter. Proverbs 17, 22, yes, I know it says Psalms in your bulletin, it is wrong. Um, a joyful heart helps healing, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. I think this one kind of speaks for itself, um, but if you want something to connect it to, for those of you that have seen and remember Steel Magnolias, any of you have seen that? Oh, a few of you have. I keep saying I'm going to make my kids, but I haven't yet. We're going we're gonna to get there. But I think about that scene where the mother, Malin, played by Sally Field, is saying goodbye, burying her daughter, Shelby, played by Julia Roberts. It's a scene, they're in the cemetery, it begins in tears and anger, broken spirits, dried up bones, and it moves to just joyful laughter. And you do kind of feel, as you watch the movement of this scene, that healing has indeed begun. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, um, you should watch Steel Magnolias just for that scene. Then we have Psalm 126, a psalm that holds deep joy and deep hurt. It's a psalm within a collection of psalms known as the Songs of Ascent, songs that were sung as pilgrims made their way to Jerusalem, to the place of worship. The beginning six verses are a community prayer for help. It's a plea for God to continue God's work of restoration. The psalmist remembers God's work in the past, names a present need, and then asks for God's redeeming work to once again be done. It's a reminder of a time when sadness and pain and hurt and fear turned into joy and laughter. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, it says, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. There's a reason my grandmother had a kitchen towel with the phrase, today I choose joy embroidered on it. It was a part of her faith 
a reminder that a joyful heart does indeed help healing. A few years ago, um, we did a Wednesday night book study on the book of joy, um, lasting happiness in a changing world. It's by the Dalai Lama, the Archbishop Desmond Tutu, Douglas Abrams, and if you haven't read it, I highly suggest it as well. This book will go through obstacles to joy, then it lists eight pillars of joy. One of those pillars being humor. In the book, Abram says, having worked with many spiritual leaders, I'm tempted to see laughter and a sense of humor as a universal index of spiritual development. That somehow, our ability to laugh, to find joy, to choose joy, really is a huge piece of our life of faith. Not just that, but that humor, laughter, joy, these are kind of building blocks to community. Abram says that he read somewhere that laughter is the most direct line between any two people. That humor, like humility, comes from the same root word for humanity, humus. Is it any surprise, Abram says, that we have to have a sense of humility to be able to laugh at ourselves, and that to laugh at ourselves reminds us of our shared humanity? For the Archbishop in this section, it really is about one thing. He says, being able to laugh at yourself is simply not taking yourself too seriously. Come stand next to me, he says, and let's laugh at me together. Then we can laugh at you together. It does not belittle either of us, but lifts us up, allows us to recognize and laugh about our shared humanity, our shared vulnerabilities our shared frailties. Life is hard, he says. And laughter is how we come to terms with all the ironies and cruelties that we face. He says if you start looking for humor in your life, you'll find it. You'll stop asking why me and start recognizing that life happens to all of us. Bottom line, this book names that laughter and joy are about connection and community, about shared humanity, about trusting relationships. I'm sure we've all heard that line, laughter is the best medicine. Um, I came across several instances of articles with that name this week. One was in Psychology Today, and it says that laughter does reduce pain, increases your job performance, connects people emotionally, improves the flow of oxygen to the heart and brain, and that a major function of laughter is to bring people together. Along those same lines, the NPR show Hidden Brain, an episode entitled Laughter, the Best Medicine, says that laughter is all about relationships. They interview this neuroscientist, Sophie Scott. Um, she studies the science of laughter and she says, I thought humor was the main thing that drove laughter. We think we laugh at humor or jokes, but most of the laughter we produce is purely social. We laugh with other people so much more than on our own. She says, think about it. You're with a friend. They say something ridiculous. And then your laughter triggers their laughter. There's a social aspect to this, she says. You're both laughing because the other is laughing. You catch laughter. 
When I was serving, um, my family's going to know what's coming real soon. When I was serving at Main Street United Methodist Church in Bay St. Louis, there was a Sunday right in the middle of my sermon that my husband, Sean, and my youngest son, Cody, who was about one or two, Sean's already laughing. I can't look at him. One or two at the time, they're in the front pew. I'm, already, I'm starting to laugh. Quit looking at me. Somehow, <laughs> somehow Cody falls off the front pew or falls off of Sean's lap. I don't know. I missed that part. But he lands almost straight up in the air with his head on the floor, his feet in the air, and he kind of hangs there for a minute. And then he falls over the rest of the way, and it's quiet, and all you hear throughout the church is this, ow. <laughs> now, the choir has a front row seat to this, and they all crack up, which makes some of the church start to laugh. And then my family can't stop laughing. Sean says every time he tried to stop, he'd look at the choir, and they're trying to hold it in, and so he starts laughing again. My brother had to get up and leave. <laughs> He could not stop laughing. Meanwhile, I'm up here trying to figure out how do I regain control of the sermon and of the moment. So this Hidden Brain episode is about this, how laughter can take over, take hold of us. We can't speak. Sometimes we can't catch our breath. Sometimes we're crying uncontrollably. I mean, think about some of the best Saturday Night Live skits. They're the ones where they just can't keep the laughter in. They can't stop snickering no matter how hard they try. Scott in Hidden Brain defined laughter as unmoderated joy because it's this thing we can't control. Unmoderated joy. And she, like the archbishop, said, what it does is remind us to maybe take ourselves a little less seriously. So here's my take. On a week um, contemplating laughter and joy and faith, in a time when religion and faith is presented in a way um, about choosing sides or winning an argument, or who's right and who's wrong, when religion and faith can feel heavy, a weight, a battle, um, I was reminded that we serve a God of joy, that we believe in a faith that proclaims joy comes in the morning. I mean, if we hold that alongside our first Sunday in this series, inviting us to settle down, release anxiety, and remember God's got this, then we are indeed invited to be a people who choose joy. If nothing else, maybe today can serve as a good reminder um, for myself and for all of us to take ourselves a little less seriously and admit um, that some of the drama is of our own making. And what brings our God joy, what brings us joy, is laughing together. Taking the time to see and laugh about the ridiculous in each of us. Now bear with me. Thinking about taking ourselves a little less seriously, I kind of went down a rabbit hole this past week. 
um, thinking about some of the Bible stories and the disciples and how sometimes we read them so serious, and I just wondered, what if they weren't that serious? Um, like the one where Peter tries to walk on water to Jesus, and he sinks, and Jesus says, you of little faith. I feel like we picture this very serious scene, and probably rightly so, because the beginning of it does say the disciples were terrified. But once Jesus speaks, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Does the mood lighten? Peter gets out, attempts to walk on water like Jesus, he sinks, and who's to say the other disciples aren't in the boat rolling with laughter as Peter has to be rescued? And that Jesus' response wasn't more like a southern, well, bless your heart, <laughs> type thing rather than the scolding you of little faith. Or when Jesus turns water into wine at the wedding of Cana, the first miracle performed by Jesus in the Gospel of John, we just kind of picture this ho-hum event. The wedding party is running out of wine, so Mary has a plan, and it's a story used to show that Jesus is somehow different, that Jesus is divine. But I have a friend who uh, points out that this story of turning water to wine shows up immediately after the call of the disciples. So his theory is Jesus shows up with all these new friends to this wedding, and what really takes place is Mary finds a way, in no, finds Jesus, and in no uncertain terms lets Jesus know that all these new buddies have taken out the wine and he better do something about it. <laughs> and while the disciples snicker in the background, Jesus says, okay, mom, and handles it. Let's not forget the story of God choosing to work through a particular people to bless the world. The story of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac begins with laughter. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. Their son is named Isaac from the Hebrew root that means to laugh. Jesus laughed. Jesus experienced joy. Jesus was part of a faith that taught him a joyful heart helps healing. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. A faith that says that we were not created to be anxious creatures, but to rejoice, revel, and rest in God's good creation. Scott, in that Hidden Brain interview, well, she tells the story of when her father was very sick, and they didn't know if he would make it, and the outcome didn't look good, but that he looked at them and said, we've laughed a lot, haven't we? That somehow, these moments of laughter, this simple thing of being together and laughing, made the time matter. When was the last time? You laughed out loud or laughed until you cried or experienced unmoderated joy. For me, most of the time it is at the dinner table with friends or family um, or as we sit down to take time to play games. A hard reality is I know I can't make this a reality for you. We all have seasons when laughter seems impossible. 
I do want to say, if joy and happiness seem like some out-of-reach goal, and no matter what you do, you can't shake whatever weight is holding you down, I hope you find someone to talk with, because there may be more going on. For myself, I still don't know about choosing joy. I'm not ruling it out. But I do believe God's desire for us is to find joy in God's gift of creation, in one another, in our relationship with God. So may we be a people who take ourselves a little less seriously. May we be a people who make intentional time to be in community, to laugh in community, to experience unmoderated joy. May it be so.